Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Welcome to Measuring Flicks. I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bert. <laughs> and we're back at the table again <laughs> for the third time. Uh, we tried to record this earlier, but since we had both eaten literally nothing but sugar all day long, uh, I think both of our brains were just kind of... I think the wiring had been stripped from our minds and all of the cabling was... I think was... we were also hangry. Yeah, we definitely... We just ate uh, the <gasps> most delicious kitchen sink mm. lentil bowls. Oh my god. They were there was from ve- the minimalist cookbook. Thanks, Aaron. I know. We cook everything we cook out of that has turned <laughs> out like so perfectly. Good. It's almost ridiculous <laughs> how many recipes work exactly right. Um yeah, but uh we finally ate something with vegetables in it and we feel what? normal now. And we decompressed with an episode of Castle afterwards, which by the way, listener, if you need something to watch right now, uh Castle is so it's like it's like a trashy NCIS starring a writer. I don't know. I I'm loving the show. Um, but we are talking about a different show, a different film today. Uh, we. <laughs> I'm trying. I tried to. I, I'm forced that crush the segue. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, like not a good crush. It's like life. when you realize you need to be on a different road, but you're on a bridge, and you're like, well, the road is. A hundred feet like down. You miss your turn off, and you're like, "Shit!" <laughs> and you, you just, just squeak it through the grass. No, like, we eh. just we just crashed through the median, and uh, mm. we went down the ditch, up the other side, and we landed on 1968's *Night of the Living Dead*, directed by George A. Romero, starring Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Day, Carl Hardman, Marilyn Eastman, Keith Wayne, Judith Ridley, and Kira Schoen. Um, so. We we tried to do this before, so I have some insider information. So I know what Bird thought of this movie, and I want to start there. So I have a long history with this movie. I've seen it, I can't even tell you how many times. I do not know. Tw- 25, 50, 1,000. Um, a 1,000? Wh- really a 1,000? Not a 1,000. Okay. I haven't seen this movie. I can tell you unequivocally I haven't Liar. seen this. I know. <laughs> now you can't trust anything I say for the rest of the episode because I just lied right up top. Um, but so I'm obviously a huge fan. I love this movie. I use this movie as a milestone to mark the turning point for American horror. You didn't like this movie very much. Nope. You said, okay, so tell tell the listener why. I already know why, but but... Talk about that a little bit, and then we can dig into the nitty gritty. Was bored. The slow pace. I've seen it. It's not well paced. Um, It starts off in kind of a moody, atmospheric, dark horror, very like Hitchcocky, and then just kind of like shifts tone, and just it's just not well written. some of this movie's charm for me, and obviously, look, I'm, I can't, I can't back off my position because I have such a nostalgic. I've seen it so many times, and I, it's so deep in my. It's it, this movie is in the way that I write and the way that I think about horror, and for me, this movie is like the quintessential, like 1960s um, drive-in horror movie. Part of the part of what I like about it is you can see edit points. Part of what I like oh, about yeah. it is. Uh, we're getting reports now that the, the Voyager satellite returning from Venus has broken up and trace amounts of extreme radiation. Like, 
it, it's 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 kind of slapdash. Not not slapdash. That's the, not the word. It's it's very pulp to me. It's got there's like schlocky science fiction in here. A, a satellite that NASA exploded because they it was detecting strange Venusian rays that are raising the dead. You know what I mean? Like this movie to me is all that announcer voice. You know, like. We've we've detected that the dead are coming back to life, and in every case, they are devouring their victims whole. It's. It, I definitely heard that voice in the very beginning in my head saying, "It could happen to you, or you, or even you." Have you ever seen you know, that movie? Do you know no. what movie you're quoting? No, that's Reefer Madness. Oh my god! No, <laughs> it could never. happen to your children, or yours. Or yours. They point right at the camera at the Yes, very end. that's exactly what I was hearing in my head because it was very like a Midwestern town. By the way, 420 is coming up and I think oh I just, God. I think we just figured out which okay. movie to watch. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I see the, I can see like uh, when Carl is sitting across from me, I can see w- often why Carl doesn't like a movie that I like. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I have a very broad palette for movies that i like you know like i like a lot of stuff that other people don't dig just if i did a music podcast no one would listen because i'd be like you know (laughs) here's an hour of feedback but i see what you're saying about the pace but the pace is actually about this film that it does very well and then they just kind of don't carry Uh, what what just be a little closer to it yeah is this close enough that is close enough yeah (laughs) whisper in my ears more (laughs) sweet nothings (laughs) um um i it just it's it it's like there and then not it has these long periods of like silence and then huge chunks of monologue okay and nothing like monotone monologue okay it's just I wish there was more of the things that I thought it did well. What were some of the things you thought it did well? I loved the beginning with the very stark black and white, the very atmospheric, very... um... So let's pause there really quick because I think that this movie carries atmosphere all the way through. I find this movie to be very moody and atmospheric. Um, I find it to be very claustrophobic. Once we get into the house, except for the brief excursion to the gas tank, they're in this you put you put two people in a house. And I think it's a brilliant how they introduce more characters. We don't have people coming in through the front door. They come up out of the basement. Mm-hmm. You know, like what what a great and then that adds another dimension to the house. Do we stay upstairs? Do we go down to the basement? We're adding plot elements, although they are. I agree, they're not necessarily forward moving. Like how are our heroes going to get out of here? They're in, it's internally expanding the dimension of the film. It's almost like they got up against a problem and they were like. Oh, we don't know how to fix this. It's like they didn't have a, a script written beforehand, but we're just doing it on the fly. Okay, I, yeah, I, I guess I can. It, see it's very some of that. student filmy to me, like that they didn't, they just didn't go in with a plan. Well, it's definitely independent. It's very indie. Um, it is a hundred and fourteen thousand dollar film, which for that time period is extremely low. Um, which is why we started getting a lot more indie horrors after that. Is that was that became a way to lucratively make kind of artsy horror films. Um. But I don't know. I one of the things that I really like about it is the fact that we do get pauses. The zombies are omnipresent. They're always around the house. But we do get we get the human moments inside. Um, this movie, I always think of. Well, actually, I, I haven't always thought of it this way. 
I start when I started understanding what people meant when they said Lovecraftian or cosmic. There's a there's a genre called cosmic horror, which is usually used to describe Lovecraft, which is when the thing that you're up against is so colossally massive, so big on a cosmic level. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's like the old gods, yeah. right? It's so big and so beyond imagining that you you ultimately end up feeling hopeless. There's no way to fight this. It's mm-hmm. just too big. And I've started to think of this movie as Lovecraftian because when you get one zombie, right? There's one zombie that chases Barbara to the house. Yeah. And then when he shows up, when Ben shows up and, and looks out, there's two by the truck and they knock the windows out. By the time he goes out to deal with those two, there's a third one and one behind mm-hmm. it and five behind that. And he realizes, oh, there's too many for me to deal with. So they board the house up. And that's when you start getting the wide shots, always shot from the perspective of the house, of the, the num- just, there's something so eerie to me about people shuffling out of the darkness towards you and then surrounding the house. And then as they, they turn on the radio looking for hope, and there isn't any. This is happening on, they say, the eastern third of the United States. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the problem becomes not, how do we get out of this house? The problem becomes, there's nowhere outside this house to go. The whole country is experiencing this. And then they start talking about half the nation. And then they're getting reports from elsewhere in the world. And then it literally becomes cosmic. And they're like, this isn't even to do with Earth. This is radiation Mm -hmm. from Venus. And no one... It felt very time appropriate. Yeah, that was one thing that's kind of unavoidable is there was a moment about halfway through when you turned and you were like, you know, given the, the Easter and the pandemic, this is a really timely mm-hmm. film you know um but that that to me is always the bit that's been scary the movie actually was controversial because of the people eating the you know because you see them like oh i'm playing with guts and i'm yeah. taking a bite oh, of the yeah. liver which what did you think of that i really like that stuff it was fun <clears throat> did you um like the the hershey's chocolate syrup oh, yeah. blood and like the the um the kitchen knife chopping off the the paper mache oh, yeah, fingers off the hand like the, yeah. all those effects so you like the the action bits but the talking bits felt slow is that where you're after well there got to be a point where the silence and ben just talking to himself was just like okay was it the monologue on. where he's talking and about- then where we get the tv and they're just like and i was just like okay i'm bored like it just needed to they needed to cut I don't know. Something. It's only an hour 30. So there's not a... I don't know. They needed something more then. They needed to flesh something else out and cut some of that other shit. What is your favorite... Do you you like... First first of all, do you like the zombie genre? Do you like zombie movies? Do you like zombies as a... I guess I'm kind of indifferent about zombies. Is there a zombie movie that Uh, you enjoy? Yeah. Which is? I mean, other aside from Shaun of the Dead, everybody oh, loves Shaun yes. of the Dead. But, <laughs> but what's your? Do you have like when I say zombie film, is there one that pops into your head? Oh wait, that's a vampire film. Which one? Thirty Days of Night. Yeah, Thirty Days of Dang Night it. is a vampire movie. Uh, Try uh, Twenty Eight Days or Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Oh yeah, Dawn of the are Dead. Um, there's you know there's lots of them there's old ones king of the zombies at your skin are both zombie movies i know you hate both of those but we did we covered them on season two of measuring flicks so listener you can head back and listen to our review of i eat your skin writer tom harris it's a it's a golden time um the remake of dawn of the dead is directed by robert rodriguez 
So, who directed Planet Terror. Oh, that one's good. The remake of, of Dawn of the Dead? Have you seen it? Or are you talking... Oh, Planet Terror is a zombie movie. There you go. There's two zombie movies. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, like, you know. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess given the choice, I'd probably choose something else. Other than zombies. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, they're fun. I I think I'm safe in saying. And again, this might be one of those things. Like when I. uh, There just was not enough action for me. Okay. But we've. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't. It wasn't one of those slow paced like. Um. Black rain beyond the black rainbow beyond the black rain- it wasn't slow in yeah. that way where it was also like really visually interesting and there was a lot going on in your head where okay. you're trying to piece things together yeah. it wasn't like that i just like hated everyone everyone was you hated everyone ben is the only person i liked right. okay i like, like tom oh i like God. i like ben and tom and i think linda is tom's girlfriend i like those three and i like the wife tom and judy tom and judy that's yes. who it is yeah and uh um the bitchy wife is pretty great too. yeah i like the wife she's cool and you know to be honest and again this is i'm okay i just hate barbara and whatever that fucking guy's name is mr uh, smith or something it's like it's like uh um, <laughs> yeah we were making a joke about it too <laughs> It was Collins? it was be a Ben yeah be a Ben don't be a Collins <laughs> or whatever it is but yeah he's he's pretty awful he's intolerable there's something this movie to me is 1968 but it feels almost 50s it's got a real 50s feel to it with like I I would feel I think it has some very forward thinking sensibilities about it very though. much so this movie's uh, famous we talked about it a little bit on the couch but I want to for those of who haven't seen it this movie's actually kind of famous because Ben is considered to be one of the first black protagonists and he is legitimately all the way through the hero of this movie he and you pointed this out which I had never even considered because I saw it so young before I mm-hmm. had all that like uh, you know socio political stuff in my head. But you pointed out that even though Collins is a total asshole the whole time and they're all bickering and they're all fighting in this pressure cooker house, mm-hmm. they don't ever regress to like shouting racial slurs at each other. Right. Race never comes into the equation. They just deal with each other on a human level, which I think is really interesting. He's sexist, but he's not racist. Which one? Uh, Collins is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, there's a moment in here that I really like that you actually reacted to. It's the moment when Barbara slaps Ben early on and Ben punches Barbara out early I, in the movie. I don't think he actually knocks her out, though. I think she faints afterwards. I think so, too. Like I, you were saying, like, wow, she's unconscious. I was like, I think when you're that when your brain is boiling over with that much yeah. panic, you know, sometimes it's just like your brain hits a hard reset and you go to the blue screen oh of death God. for a little while. Um, but I don't know. I again, like that's that's one of those moments in this movie among many, I think, that are really kind of shocking and kind of forward thinking in a weird way because Mm -hmm. when she comes to the way that ben treats her isn't like if collins had punched her out he would have been like now you understand i had to do that because you were being frantic you're being frantic women are always frantic but Mm. ben goes and finds her shoes he definitely feels guilty about doing it yeah and he uh he protects her after that from collins trying to take her down into the basement he's like she stays up here with me Mm-hmm. And like, how are you gonna get? How are you gonna get her through? Like, like all of like a like a mile to this car? And he's like, "Don't worry, I will take care of her." At one point, th- Ben is a really cool character because at one point, when Collins is saying, "We can't escape here. My kid is hurt," 
Ben is like, if it means that I can save us all, I will take care of your kid. Steps in as like a weird, like the weird surrogate father figure. You can see be, um, Colin's wife looking at Ben for direction. Oh, she wants to bang him like <laughs> so hard. I mean, she's looking at him that way too. Yeah, but <laughs> um, understandable. Her husband's a total dick. All right, so give me give me some more of your early early notes. Um, you like the early atmospheric stuff. I think this movie is fun to watch having seen it once before because mm-hmm. a lot of the early stuff feels like an in-joke to people who know the movie. Uh, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Mm-hmm. There's one now. Like, that's funny when you know the setup and you know that they are coming after Barbara. They're coming after everyone, but that guy, that's a zombie. Specifically, yeah. That that's, that is one now. Mm-hmm. He's coming, Barbara. He wants, to, he wants to meet you or whatever he says when they're mm-hmm. in the cemetery. All that's true. You know, I think that's really interesting. Um, I like knowing some of the inside baseball, too. We mentioned it. Um, you were curious about the weird shot where the car drives against the tree. Yeah. That was George. I think it was George. A, one of George A. Romero's family member's car. I think it was like uh-huh. his aunt's car or something. Yeah. Midway through shooting, she got in a car accident. So for continuity purposes, the car was unusable. They couldn't. He, it was supposed to. I think she was supposed to like get in and roll down the hill and get closer to the the house or even drive it up to the house and then get out. But the car was damaged in the crash, so he had to like. So ro- like it didn't run anymore or something. They just weren't. What for whatever reason? Because they, they could have shot it from a different angle. For whatever reason, they weren't able to use the car any further after the accident. So he uh. begged it for like one more day to explain why it was gone. And he did that little, oh, it hit the tree and here's okay. the crishy crashy thing. So that was that was literally him like working on his feet, you know. You can really see the indie quality yeah. to this film. You can you can see it happening. Mm. Yeah. Um and I feel like a lot of the choices that they made were creative desperation, I guess. Um things that we did on marlin because of just budgetary constraints or time Time constraints constraints, yeah um and uh things like you can't actually injure your actors if you don't have you know like stunt guys if you don't have the budget for makeup people right you know you have to work around that somehow so a lot of the things in the movie i was like oh well that's because they they don't have the budget for it or what have you like the the fight scenes or the where the zombies are like I like a lot like of the weirdly fight scenes. like too slow but also like kind of slap fighting and silliness so this is actually something that you brought up that you said the zombies move really fast in this but then they alternately don't this movie it just ugh. this movie is but that bugged you huh this this movie sets the tone for every I said it when we were watching it but again we're doing mics now um after this movie. All zombie movies fall into this format because they, because in, in my opinion, and a lot of other people who like the genre think that George A. Romero nailed it with this. Like before this, zombies were the, we, we were talking about, they were all voodoo zombies. Mm-hmm. They were fugu powder and sometimes they were alive and sometimes they were like, you know, they were some, there was like always a voodoo element going on. This was the first time that, maybe not the first, first time, but this is the first time that stuck where the dead return to life and they were there's the some of the makeup effects are great that one that shot i was saying um the guy who the looks guy with a the, bit, like melty face this is the first time that zombies they've always looked a little rough but these are mm-hmm. you can see like 
a little bit of decomposition in some of these people. They're, some of them, not very many, but yeah. Well, this is this is part of. Originally, it was a triptych. There were a trilogy. I'm sorry, it was a three film thing. It started as just this, but the next one is Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. After that is Day of the Dead, and those were like the the three films. Eventually, we got Land of the Dead and etc. And then they just made them forever. But Dawn of the Dead is basically the, this world. Uh, like later it's like later that day and in that movie you get like the gray blue skin because the dead have been dead a little longer Mm -hmm. you get some decomposition and by day of the dead which takes place mostly in a government facility and is a total fucking riot and you would really Mm -hmm. like it um the dead are like starting to and he's and romero's got more money because his movies are popular so the dead are like guts are falling out of them and there's like fucking like ichor and goo and it's just sometimes they seem like the shuffly, totally brainless, right. like weak, and then sometimes they're using rudimentary weapons. That and is, things. that's it's, something that got, and they're stronger. Right, that's something that got written out was um, of like the the genre, the zombie genre in general is they. A lot of people don't like them using tools, don't like them being, like, intelligent. Mm-hmm. In Land of the Dead, which is the fourth film, I think, in this, George A. Romero has them, like, he explains why they use, like, rocks and stuff. He goes, they have some, like, rudimentary, deep, deep sense. Like, people who were gas station attendants in life who died, when they were wandering around, if they saw a gas station, those zombies would go and, like, walk over and stay at the gas station. And they would like touch the pumps and stuff. I think Land of the Dead, you have to, Land of the Dead's a pretty stupid movie. You got to just like be there for the gore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, that's that's something that is established in this movie for zombies, which is, uh, you remember the zombie survival guide, Max Brooks? Mm-hmm. He describes how zombies behave. And he says when they're not actively seeking prey, they shuffle, shamble, they're slow, they're stupid, they're aimless. But the second they see prey they will wander towards it until they're close enough to attack then there's like a frenzy like feeding sharks which yeah like i'm fine with that yeah. i get that so, but okay. there were just sometimes where they were attacking but they were just like so like not even able to move their arms right or whatever okay i was just like what what's going on here you shouldn't be having any problem with this thing yeah and the them kind of all piling in together kind of negates that and makes it scarier but i know that the just the flailing intensifies or whatever even as a kid the scariest part of this for me wasn't the fact that they were like undead or anything what became scary was how gradually there were so many and i think it's actually collins who points out um, he's like, man, they flipped they flipped over our car. And Ben goes, yeah, any five guys can flip over a car. And he goes, yeah, but it's not going to be five. It's going to be 30, 40, 100. And when he says that, you realize like, oh, shit, zombies on their own. One zombie is not a problem. Three zombies, not a problem. When they get when they become dangerous is when you got 60 zombies because you can't fight 60 humans, even if they're slow and stupid, they're still that's still 60 people's worth of mm-hmm. strength, you know, like, but, but I see, I see your point. And there are, there are definitely, uh, inconsistencies in the behavior of the zombie mm-hmm. and the plot. Like we even talked about the, the way that the, the film is plotted. Like, wait a minute, if this is true, then how can that be true? Or like, mm-hmm. didn't we establish blah, blah, blah. 
but and yeah. maybe part of why I like the first time we see that door that he like magically reveals that we just somehow never noticed before it looks like it's latched from the outside well i was wondering if that i think they kick it open because that's why they're rattling it when it's blocked by the other door that other door and then it comes open with a crash and you see the hand but anyway that's that's neither here nor there what i'm talking about is i i just let all that wash when i was a kid because i was a kid watching a zombie movie but as an adult, when you pointed out, like, the zombies don't always behave the right way, they think they know something about the zombies. And then when they go to try and apply that, the rules seem to have changed. I'm wa- watching this in 2020 right now in April. And, you know, like, we're in the middle of April. We're, like, almost a month into quarantine. This is how COVID works, too. They're like, here's how it behaves. Here's how you protect yourself. And then th- two days later, we're like, okay, we're doing all that shit. And we get a new radio report you know like mm-hmm. that's just in everything we told you was wrong it's all entirely different and we're like what what you know we're getting new guidelines every day so watching this movie now and you, you're like oh, okay so the zombies are slow and they don't really do anything and then you're like oh fuck the zombies are fast and uh shit and you're like okay they're they're easily they're afraid of fire and then you're like oh but or whatever you know like mm-hmm. you think you know the rules and then the rules change mm-hmm. um and you're looking at me like you like you wanted i don't know i just i feel like there was not a solid vision for this movie and like he wanted it to be either more sensational or he wanted it to be more deeper and have more like meaning but he just didn't tie them together very well okay here's i just didn't that's okay i like it man well no that's okay like but but that's the point okay but here but that's what we're that's the show you know what i mean like you didn't like it i did like it we can talk about it i'm okay that you didn't like it now now that i've had my lentil bowl i don't mind okay um so like i what i if i i don't think that he had a lack of vision i think he had a lack of time and money because i see a pretty clear vision that could have been sharper had he had a full film crew of you know like an infinite amount of time to shoot a well-controlled set I think that I like it raw like that, though. And here's the thing that I've always liked about Night of the Living Dead is that the metaphor is the story for me is simple and linear enough that it's entertaining whenever you watch it in the 60s in the 70s and the 80s. There's you can always watch it and enjoy it as its own story. I mean, you can't, but some (laughs) other people can. What I've already everybody but me. No, there's other there's other people who don't like Night of the Living Dead for sure. It only has a seven point something on IMDb. Um, what? Nothing. 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 Okay. What I like about Night of the Living Dead is the story is tight enough that it hangs together as a story, and it's so concentrated in that house that it has never, to me, looked anachronistic. You know what I mean? It's black and white, so it looks old-timey, but it ne- it's not dated in the way that certain 80s movies are dated because of the fashion and the clothes and all that stuff. There's nothing in there that's so egregious that it takes you out of the film. But the metaphor, this is the big... St- a lot of people talk about Dawn of the Dead as having the metaphor because it takes place in a supermarket, and they, they say like the zombies are the consumers. We, see, we get shots of zombies wandering through stores like picking up dresses and, or like bumping into dresses and mm-hmm. shit. So they were like, oh, look, social commentary. I've always thought Night of the Living Dead was genius because the metaphor 
was strong enough. It has such strong elements. People trapped together in a house with an ever mounting pressure from the outside world on them in the force in in the form of them. Mm-hmm. It's it's people, but it's people altered. So like you have these strong elements of the metaphor, but the metaphor is so loose and wide open that any era that you watch this in, you can apply it. What I, a perfect example right now is we just watched Night of the Living Dead, and it is almost a perfect metaphor for the COVID nineteen pandemic. When I first watched this as a kid, this was you can I've seen people translate this into the rise of fascism and how liberalism will can tear itself apart by not becoming unified. This could be you could use this as a metaphor for Trump. Here's a bunch of people trapped in a house and here's a bunch of mindless people pouring towards the house and what ultimately destroys the people in the house is their inability to be cohesive. Look, it's the Democratic Party inside the house and it's Trump outside. This is the genius of Night of the Living Dead. This is the genius of Romero's metaphor is he gave us these potent symbols and then he said, now you make the meaning. And every generation has and I think that that's why this movie is timeless. And we can totally disagree. Carl disagrees I'm with gonna, me all the time. It's okay. Uh, yeah, no. It's totally okay. But this I is... think it's a case of if you want to see something in a film, if you look hard enough, you'll find evidence for it. Okay. What I'm saying is I don't think you have to look very hard because he gave us some pretty... I thought he was trying to do some sort of racial commentary, especially the end credits. Oh, yeah. That's totally there. But I don't think that it... I don't think that it... Uh, it congeals. Okay. Do you oh, hit me? Can, <laughs> congeals? Scabs up? <laughs> never. Not really the word. Never scummed over for you. Perfect word. Hit me with. Uh, hit me with your next note. Let's because you actually took um, a lot of notes. So let's work through some of them. I wrote down why has this endured? Is it simply the virtue of it being kind of like the first big big zombie movie? Um. Why is it held up as one of the giants of the zombie genre? I just don't get it. Okay. So let me let me return to this question really quick. What for you does define the zombie genre? Uh, and it, if it's Shaun of the Dead, it can be Shaun of the Dead. I'm no, cool with that. No, because I would consider that more of like a horror comedy, if that's a thing. Uh, we Rom-com? haven't... We I know a lot of people really... Horror-com? <laughs> horror-com? I think horcom is a other whole other kind of genre. <laughs> I believe that I believe that once upon a time I watched a horcom called Nailin Palin. Oh, no. <laughs> no, um I a lot of people today really like Train to Busan. Um but I would say probably the mo- for me the modern like genre defying zombie film the the next film after Night of the Living Dead that did something new with zombies and pumped some blood back into this shambling rotting corpse genre mm-hmm. 28 days later with cillian murphy zombies are fast yeah. zombie those it's zombies are fucking too. scary yeah 28 yeah. days later is a really scary movie yeah Be- especially because it it tells you it's like this is a zombie movie and you're like all right here come the shamblers and they're kind of weak and you know the rules and you know how people have fought them in the past mm-hmm. you're like you barricade yourself and and you get the gun out the door these zombies are way too fucking fast mm-hmm. when you see Cillian Murphy running and you see 300 zombies 
sprinting, blood spraying out of their mouths. The use of shaky cam in 28 mm-hmm. Days Later is brilliant. And then when they start barricading themselves in and the zombies are ripping through walls like they're paper, you're like, I don't understand the rules anymore. Mm-hmm. So I would say for modern for modern audiences, 28 Days Later is the defining zombie film after Night of the Living Dead. Because Night of the Living Dead made the rules for everything up until 28 Days Later, dumped all the rules and was like, here's what zombies can be now. You know, I think it was a good choice, too. So I think that I think some of the stuff I talked about earlier where I was like the people can people can put their own story into Night of the Living Dead and identify with it because I will fully concede these are flat characters. Barbara's the hysterical woman who's totally can't deal with she's, anything. She, and she does n- absolutely nothing she's for most the of the film. She's just like a set dressing. Collins is only an asshole coward. Yeah, His wife, nobody goes anywhere. Nobody has an emotional arc. But I I think people do. I think, yeah, you know, and Barbara clearly doesn't. Collins doesn't. Collins' wife doesn't. Yeah, no one, no one really has a chance to grow in this movie. I'm with you on no. that. Uh, I like seeing. I like that we. I think Ben's arc is reverse in reverse because we see him acting strong, and then throughout the movie, we see moments of who he might have been previous to this, and we see him dealing. We we see Ben when he's alone or when he's just with Barbara, who's basically not even in the room. She's like a plant. Yeah, we see him like, like when he's. He's like, he's like, I'm ripping this table apart and I got the rifle and here's my hammer. And he starts telling her about how, when he realized shit was going crazy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the gas station, the gas truck and the guy screaming. And you see Ben. Like, and that is one of the monologues, which I know you don't like. But that's one of those moments where you see Ben like the hammer goes down and you're like, oh, Ben's not actually. He is not actually like an uh, like a tough as nails business all the time he he feels stuff mm-hmm. you know like when we see him beat some of these zombies to death he takes a moment afterwards not because he's winded but because these are two human shaped things mm-hmm. he just killed and he's a normal guy you know we watch this normal guy killing zombie after zombie and he's very matter of fact about it but then in the aftermath of that you see i i really like the, that actor's performance, the guy who plays Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two two moments that I, I called out when we were watching, and I, I want to just give him credit here. Because, again, I do think they're all flat characters, with the he exception... He wasn't given anything. The actor did a good job. He I think he, he spins a lot of material out of not a lot of script and dialogue, but like there's this great moment at the very end of the film when he's in the basement, right? When he's finally trapped in the bay, there's two moments of, for Ben where I think he's just like Monto Ben and like perfect. And it's when he one is in, when he's in the basement and everyone is dead. Mm-hmm. Collins is dead. He just watched Barbara, who he was the only person that he was had been trying to protect this whole time. That that human thing of like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And then he has something to take care of. Like she's almost like a dog where he's like, oh. Oh, human, I will... Because he's alone, too. He's mm-hmm. been alone. And he's like, I I see that you're catatonic. I know you're scared. But you're a, you're a thing that I can... I can take my mind off the zombies and keep you safe. And then she gets ripped away from him. You know? And you're like... And Ben has nothing left. And he's down in the basement. He's barred the door. And you can hear 60 or so zombies upstairs, like, smashing on the door. And that one is pounding on the floor. And he he has to shoot Collins in the head. And then he cocks it again, and the wife is there with the trowel sticking out of mm-hmm. her chest. 
and you can see him after he shot he shoots Collins three times because in a way Collins is partly responsible for all of this uh, yeah. fucking mess so he shoots Collins in anger and he slumps against this post and the zombies that 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 ruckus of zombies is upstairs and Collins is dead on the floor and he looks at the wife and you can see in his face it's such a great moment he looks at the wife and you can see and he's like please don't open your Mm -hmm. eyes yeah that is an awesome moment where he's like I just can't kill another person right now Mm -hmm. and she opens her eyes and he cocks the gun once fires once and then he throws the gun away from himself right and you can see him like lost like that was it that last shot was like he's having a Barbara moment right now where he's just like and he's dial toned out Mm -hmm. and he stumbles into the table and he throws this like sawhorse this like makeshift sawhorse table apart and the sawhorse is falling on the ground and he's like looking around and then he becomes aware of the zombies upstairs again and there's this moment where he looks up and he's like okay okay fuck um I'm in the basement I'm locked in there's zombies upstairs and it's the, the this I don't know why I love this moment so much, but he reaches down and he grabs the sawhorse and he picks it up, and it's such a Ben thing to do, because what's he gonna do with the sawhorse? He nothing. That's exactly what he does, because there's nowhere to go and there's nothing left to do. He picks that sawhorse up in this moment of like, okay, maybe I can, and that's as far as he got. You know, it's such a great acting moment. He picks that sawhorse up like and and I'm going to use this to build a rocket ship. You know, like Mm -hmm. he's he's starting a plan and he gets the sawhorse up just enough to be like, I'm I'm locked in a basement. There's literally nothing. And he drops the sawhorse, gets his gun and cowers in the corner. It's so good. There's there's other stuff in this. Uh, The cinema. I like the cinematography. I I called it out. I think this Mm -hmm. is the best use of a Dutch tilt in any movie I've maybe ever seen. After that, I know you disagree with me on that. Ever seen? At the moment, I'm scouring my brain for Dutch Tilt, and Dutch Tilt usually does not work very well. It usually looks like a a Joel Schumacher movie. I feel like Hobbs on Haunted Hill probably has one. The Vincent Price one or the uh, Jeffrey Rush one? Both. Have you ever seen that? Have you seen the Jeffrey Rush House on Haunted Hill remake? Oh, no, I'm thinking of The Haunting. The Haunting. Oh, yeah. The movie's called The Haunting, but The the Haunting of Hill House, the Shirley Jackson novel. Okay, that probably has good Dutch tilt in there. Hitchcock uses Dutch tilt pretty well, but I'm telling you, there's something about that shot of Ben's face right after the truck catches, uh, like, bursts into flames, and uh, Tom and, what's their name, Judy? Tom and Judy. When Tom and Judy burned to death in the truck, and they cut back to Ben, and it's, like, just Dutched a little bit. And it's kind of that medium close up, and he's not centered in frame. It's like, it's like you're inside Ben's brain. I just love that shot. All right, give me more. Give me more notes. Um, I'm really disappointed with how women are in this movie. We only get one kind of tough woman, and it's the put upon wife and of it's Collins, the abused wife. Yeah, yeah. He's he's shitty. He's such a shitty. He's so mean to her. Just bosses her around, and he's also a coward, and clearly just can't like handle being a husband and a father. She puts, she definitely slings it back at him. He's yeah, but she's like, she's still with him. She didn't, she hasn't left him. It's like which she should just. Do. I know in 2020, yes, but the way that I was, she could have then. I know, but I was the way I always look at this is they're stuck with the kid. So, 
I know. I'm. I know. I'm not saying that people who are married with children have to stay together. I'm just saying that's how I read the wife's mm-hmm. because she doesn't take it lying down. She doesn't just go. She does. Yes. She does sometimes. But the yes, dear, is has a knife in it, and he feels it every time. You know what I mean? Like when he when he's like, yeah, we're gonna stay down here. We'll see who's right. We'll see who's right. And she goes, that's important, isn't it? Always being right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what's that supposed to mean? And she, her staying quiet after that, it just needles him. You know. And when she's like, uh, you locked us down here, and there's a radio upstairs, and he throws the cigarette packet down, and she kind of like smiles at him and goes, yes, dear. It's just like, uh, it, she is so wonderfully emasculating. But she still lets him boss her around and tell her what to do. Well, she ends up she ends up getting her own way, and once she's upstairs, she basically uses she basically gloms on to Ben uh, entirely. Yeah. But uh, you know, I I've always liked that character because it's like watching it's like watching a the best way I can think to describe this is it's like watching an animal on its back still ripping something to pieces. It's like pretending she cut, she just tears him down. and It's definitely a bird in a cage that still pecks. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, I, see it as, I see it as more vicious than that. She really, she really takes Collins to the mat like all the way through. She's the most gratifying. She does the most gratifying damage to Collins until Ben beats him up, which is, there's a weird moment in here when Ben shoots Collins. There's no joy in that for me. When he's punching oh, Collins. seriously? Yeah, but I I'm deeper into this than you are. I'm more invested. And there's this weird moment because Ben points the gun at him, and call, it, he doesn't just go like "Ah, you bastard!" and he doesn't shoot him in like passionate rage. Mm-hmm. He points the gun at him, and Collins looks at him like, "You're not gonna shoot me, are you?" We we take the time to show Ben, show Collins, cut back to Ben, and then he shoots like he, him. He considers not doing it, and he's like, "Yeah." Ben makes a conscious decision. That's the only living person that he kills all the way through this. And he does it when he looks. Well, does he? Yeah, no, yeah, because Collins dies in the basement and then the daughter feasts on his mm. on his arm, which is awesome. Or maybe he's just wounded down there. And, and she, she eats him. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that because you can see Ben being like that. There's lines. And there's there's a like a hard line where he's like, I've been killing these. He calls them these things, those creatures. Ghouls. This is Collins, though. This is a dude who's still talking and thinking and still has a living daughter and a living wife. I think he's a ghoul. He is in his own way a ghoul, you know. Um, but I like that that bit where Ben's like. Mindless, cruel. He makes a call where he's like, you have cost me enough. Shoots him. Everyone would be better off if he was dead. Yeah. So he should have shot him earlier. <laughs> well, he could have gotten away with it. You've been like, "Hey, he's a zombie." You would have. Sh- I know the sheriff does. The sheriff's deputy does it at the end to yeah. Ben. But like, but I, I don't think Ben is necessarily you. I think that weighs on Ben. Whereas you would have been like, Collins, is like, we're going in the basement. And you're like, uh, all right. Is there anybody else down there? Which of y'all are dicks? Because I, I got eight hey, more got bullets no in this time. bad boy. <laughs> Do you know how to use a hammer? <laughs> do you know how to use a hammer? You do? Wonderful. Board up that door. We got to get these bodies out first, though. I shot three of the five people in the basement. Mm. All right. What's well, next? <laughs> oh, this passes the Bechdel test. It does. Yeah. We talked about that when we were watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would not call this a feminist film in any way. Okay. So you... 
Are, I, I, it doesn't have to be a feminist film. Are you fully lukewarm I, on the movie or do you actively hate this movie? I'm I just curious. I would never choose to watch this again. Okay. All right. Sorry. No, that's fine. I like love you. It's totally cool. Carl didn't like Unforgiven <laughs> until we talked about it. And, uh, and you know, I'm cool with that. I just, I want more from the characters. Okay. I want there to be more heart. I want there to be more gore. I want there to be more action. I want more. I just, right. this was like a three. I wanted more of a pause really eight. quick. There's a couple things. Uh, you wanted more from the, you wanted more heart and you wanted more gore. Those two I need to address. Okay. One. I think that this is a movie with a lot of heart. I think that this is just... Well, hold on. No, no, no. I won't even defend it. I'll just say that's how I watched it. But this is... Doing a Barbara. There's something we need to talk about about the gore. This movie was nearly banned for its gore. If you like gory movies and you're like... Hostel 2 exists in part because of Night of the Living Dead. If you like gore, you have to at least give this movie a nod for the fact that it introduced... Gore. Some other film would have done it if this film didn't. But it didn't. This film did. Like, there's this great line in. Actually, you know what? Stephen King kind of agrees with you. Um, he has a great line in on writing about how cinema changed after Night of the Living Dead. And doing a bunch of reading on my own, I I agree. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, thing basically before this, you had like kind of vaguely goofy Roger Corman horrors based on on um, Edgar Allan Poe stories. Mm-hmm. That was like what American horror was. After this, you had axe murderers and psycho and serial killers and torture and... Un- Could it have just been a changing of the times, though, and not specifically this film? When this film came out and was successful and managed to not get banned, it gave people permission to go darker just just go for it i think so what he says is when in 1968 when george a romero's roaring little indie night of the living dead changed things for cinema changed changed cinema forever in many ways er, in some ways for the good but in more ways for the for bad or something to that mm-hmm. effect he said basically that he likes night of the living dead but he thinks it had a detrimental effect on cinema in some ways, I agree with them. I think it made. I think people glommed onto the wrong parts of this movie, and a lot of what comes after, they're just going for shock. It's Herschel Gordon Lewis. It's mm-hmm. just like oh, I'm going to pull cow tongues out of actresses' mouths, and how many decapitated heads can I show? And some of the heart of those like earlier Corman Edgar Allan Poe movies, where they're tr- you know the pageantry went out of it, and they just showed us more blood. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was less heart and more hearts in hand which i can totally get behind so can i but like but that's what i'm saying is if you like the gory movies george a romero gave people that's the first time that you're seeing entrails being eaten on screen like this is pretty extreme stuff for 68 you know and after that you get hostile 2 you get wheelbarrows filled with entrails being carted down halls you get a penis and balls fed to a dog like that comes from this so for gore, I you got. I think you got to give it at least a at least a, a little. I know you don't like it, but you give it that respectful nod where you're like, "Look, I think you're reprehensible, and I'd never watch you again." But thanks for the thanks for all the blood, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I don't know. Um, you have a big chunk of notes right there. Um, it's when Barbara is lying to Ben about what happened before she got to the house. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of Barbara talking. 
you know I, at all like this was super interesting I and i wanted you. more of that this is a cool this is character work right here you know, the when, only part of it yeah the only little chunk that she got well, uh, walk us through it because you pointed this out to me and i thought this was really interesting i'd never noticed this before so she is telling him about when she was in the cemetery and they run across the first zombie. Right. They're, that they're is, sh- like in the area. They're sharing in- like their zombie stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she lies because we know what twice. happened. She lies twice to him trying to make herself seem better, make herself seem braver and um, more polite. Yeah. She there. You pointed that out. I'd never noticed it but and but I, she doesn't ever change the part about how she's a coward and she left her brother there right she well she says she makes her i think i think this is really interesting um so in actuality uh johnny says you're still scared and she goes stop it johnny Mm-hmm. That's how it really happens. When she tells it to Ben, she she says, John, and she reiterates the whole sequence of events very mm-hmm. accurately, except for two points that you noted. And I was like, that's fascinating. Because part of me is curious. Is she intentionally lying because she's trying to make a better impression on Ben? Or because I think she's too odd of it to be doing that. I think she's too catatonic to be like, I need to make myself look better, so I'm going to fabricate some stuff. I think that... This is that thing that humans do. Where we rewrite things in our head to make our ego happy. I don't think she's lying to Ben. I think she's lying lying to herself. herself. Mm -hmm. I think this is that you don't want... I don't think Collins is down in the basement going like, I'm a coward, but I'm going to tell everyone I'm not. I think in his own head, he's sensible and everyone else is stupid. You know, like, because she says, Johnny said, oh, you're still scared. And I said, no, I'm not scared, Johnny. So what she's she's not actually trying to make herself seem braver. She's trying to in her head, she's showing that she stood up to her brother rather than just be beaten down by her bully of an older brother. Mm-hmm. He's clearly a bully. Mm-hmm. So her what she has rewritten is that her brother doesn't bully her. She stands up to him. You know what I and mean? And the other one was she was going to apologize to this guy, the stranger for Johnny around. being rude to him. Right. She was but like But she doesn't. No. She just kind of like smiles with her face kind of down. tilted downwards yeah. and like tries to ignore him and walk away re- like you do with like homeless people yeah in reality she does the like you got any change and you're like oh look a street sign across this she she like looks at it, something that's not him and tries to hurry past mm-hmm. but he's a zombie so he grabs her yeah. but when she retells it to ben she's like i went up to him to apologize i went for up how to rude my brother was yeah so i went to say sorry and he grabbed me he was tearing at my clothes he was tearing at my clothes and part of me wonders, like, I look, I can see what you're saying about the, I will say the most polite way possible, the very straightforward nature of the script, what you might call like a poorly written or not well thought out script. I see it the other way, but I can see your perspective. This to me is pretty good writing. Cause it's the only piece of it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm glad. You Except know. for the wife's <laughs> sling and shade. That's probably the only other part of good writing. Hey. There you go. You know where the two bits of good writing are? You know who is well-written in this? The two two of the women. The women are well-written. Sorry. Uh, boom. Uh, boom. Mm. Mic drop. <laughs> okay. What else, what else you got? Wait, because the wife's a bitch? She's well-written? You can't tell me the wife's not well-written, dude. Her, like, catty little shitty remarks are so fun. Mm. And also, when... You, did you notice that when, like, 
when something is really on the line, like when they find out that there's a radio, she stops taking his shit. She's like, she, that's when she goes to the mat with him. She's like, whoa, 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 you locked us in a fucking basement and there's a radio upstairs? And a TV. That Well, they call down after that. They're like, hey, they found a TV. And you almost feel like the next thing would be like, hey, they found a two-way radio to the government. And Collins would be like, no, the basement's the safest. And his wife would just, you know, cut his nuts off with that big, those yes. garden shears. Fed but, him to dogs. But, <laughs> but that's, that I think is, that's weird. I had never considered that. But I honestly think that she and Barbara might be the the actual obvious. I, I wouldn't say that those two little glimmers are enough to carry their characters through whole film. Okay. Okay. All right. Mm, it's almost like an accident <laughs> that they were all written for those scenes. I disagree, but okay. I'm, okay. I, I can see what you're saying. Totally. Um, do you... How, how many, dude, let's finish up your notes and then I really briefly want to talk about another experience that you and I had with this story. If you you know what I'm talking about. Do you want to talk about the end of this film? Yeah, that's the only other thing. All right. Take me through the end. This is the most talked about part of this movie when you're reading like critical reviews. Yeah. Um, I think maybe we'd seen this once or twice before yeah. i didn't remember how it ended so i may not have seen the ending one of the times i just didn't remember you it. remembered because well, I, I called it you did as soon as you know i realized what was happening we i asked you when this when we were getting near or no right before we started watching i asked had you seen this before because i thought i'd shown it to you and you were like I asked you what the last thing you remembered was, and you said the daughter in the basement eats the, her parents. And I was like, okay, that's like five minutes from the end of the mm-hmm. movie, so we must have watched it. But I didn't remember the very end, but I called the shots, literally. Called the shot? The shot. The yeah. one shot. Um, um, where um, Ben is coming out of the basement, he's like, all right, are there more zombies out there? Or are these like, good guys coming to get me? And of course they shoot him thinking he's a zombie. Right. But then they haul him out with like meat hooks. Which is how they've been handling all of the corpses so far because they don't want to touch the infected. Is that true? Oh. Yeah. That's that's why they're using seeing that. Well, that's why they're using the meat hooks rather than they're they don't anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah. It's um it's shown in stills with sort of a grainy photograph quality and yeah. it really like it wasn't in any way visually similar. Like, they weren't doing similar things. The body wasn't staged in similar ways. But the only thing I could think of was lynchings in the South. Yeah. That is immediately what I thought of, and I couldn't not. I think part of it is... That's why I think Romero was, like, trying to go for a... Because a white guy shoots him without even, like, talking to him or calling out and being like, Hey, you okay? Or anything. He just like, oh, shoot that one. It's like, oh, make sure that black guy's dead. Yeah. This, uh, uh, well, wait. Are you saying that they knew he was alive but killed him because he's black? Kind of, maybe. Well, they don't. Like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm 100% sure because the dialogue supports the other reading of it. That they're just, they're out. I don't think Romero's being kind. Mm-hmm. These are a bunch, these are clearly a bunch of gun-crazy NRA redneck fucks out just shooting everything that's not them. Mm-hmm. Right? We, right we get a montage of them killing zombies right before this which actually yeah. i found i mean why did they not i don't know why did they assume that he was a zombie they're, he's inside a house they're killing everything they're killing everything like that's the thing you know like um 
they say earlier, they're like, uh, you know, they're like, well, we killed three that were trying to get into a shed. They must have thought something was in there, but there wasn't. We looked. And if there's no. Do you think those were other people? The trying to get in somewhere safe, maybe. You know what oh. I mean? Because why would zombies be after. If there's nothing in the shed, why are the zombies trying to get into the shed? That's not zombies how. Zombies are stupid. That's not how these right? behave. They're going after, like, living or they just wander. Mm-hmm. These are doing a task, but there's no. There's no bait in the shed. Mm-hmm. So we get maybe a hint that these dudes are just out. Killing everything. We see anything. them walking through a field and everything in front of them, they're like, boom, boom, boom. They're just dropping bodies and burning them. And the guy says, hey, there's something in that house. It's moving. All right, all right, hit him in the head. And they sh- that's when they shoot Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I guess you'd probably assume he doesn't look dead. He has a rifle in his hand. Yeah, maybe he's when they looking out at you with cognition. Well, what like, I mean is when the, maybe it's he's kind of in the darkness. Maybe when they got in there, there's like that oh fuck moment, you know. But I don't think so. I think what we're I think there's a lot of ways to read the end, and I think that's part of what makes it so. so that's why so many people talk about it. Is there's mm-hmm. so many ways to read it. I think you're right about the. It is very evocative of like lynchings in the South. It it drums up like ideas of race i think in part because those stills to me look like the like candid newspaper photographs oh yeah 100 percent. like there was a reporter out with them while they were doing this and these are the shots that went in the paper later which we know there are journalists out with them yeah. there's the newspaper guy or the the film, film guys are going to meet him yeah. later but there's also photographers that are like you can see him in the line mm-hmm. and the way that it's shot i'm sure you noticed Ben's the only black guy. Yeah. Everyone else. There's like. He's the only black guy in the whole movie. Yeah. he. I think he is. I yeah. think you're right. I think Ben is the only black guy in the entire film. And he's film, our hero. Which is pretty he's awesome. He's gunned down by stupid white guys. And I think. but And I think that's there. You know what I mean? Like that's that's part of it for sure. Because we, what do we get? We get? We get a shot of Ben dead on the ground. And then you get. You get this. Because they're all stills, right? You get a collage in a ring of all of the dudes standing around him. It's like, and we get a picture, and it's the sheriff and the guy who shot Ben. And they're standing there, like, sheriff's got a cup of coffee in his hand. And they're standing around in a circle looking down at the black guy they just murdered. It's all, like, any everything but a buck pole. It feel pretty much. It feels very, um, like, good old boys. Very, um, hmm. It the film is takes place in Pennsylvania, but in those still shots, it develops a a, a sort of accent. If you More know what I'm talking about, southernly, a very specific southern, like the the lynching thing. That mm-hmm. you're right. That's totally popping up here. And they they show the like guys like grinning, and then you we cut to some other like other people are coming in to look at the like oh you bagged a good one. It's and what's really gross about it. I mean, there's a lot that's really gross about it, but one of the things that I was, again, I'm I'm looking at our clock, and part of why I'm talking is I'm, I'm aiming for an hour. But uh, it's that straw dogs thing, in a way, where we just watched them kill how many zombies? Five, like six, eight, ten? Like, right before this, there's that montage, yeah. which for whatever reason to me, that montage this time, watching this movie, was kind of disturbing. The way those zombies die... Mad props to those extras because they hit the ground in like they kind of like 
squirm a little. The one guy is walking towards him and he gets shot a bunch and he like stumbles and falls in a way that actually... The squibs are good in this movie. The squib work is excellent. Especially because um, they get the entrance right. They never do that right in movies, but Romero nails maybe it. Maybe they just actually shot people for this movie. The budget was pretty low, so maybe they did kill some folks. But like the entrance wounds are like nickel-sized and the blowout's all in the back. That's accurate and it looks good, but... There's something, like, disturbing about the way that the zombies hit the ground because they're the undead, you know, and a lot of times in zombie movies you're like, you know, especially in the later zombie movies when you see a headshot and the brains are flying everywhere, you're like, right on! But part of what makes this gross is that that the film implicates you and does that straw dogs thing where it Mm. makes you feel bad for liking it because they just showed us ten zombies die and you're like, yeah! And then they shoot Ben and you're like... Oh no. Oh, this is bad now. Why do I feel so like did I I feel you feel kind of like you did it, you know? The other thing I like about the photos of the dudes um with the meat hooks and seeing the sheriff and stuff, almost all those shots are shot from low. They're mm, shot mm-hmm. like from Ben's perspective. Yeah. So it puts you in the victim's seat. It's a very dark ending to this. This is a very bleak way to go out. It's a strong left turn, I would say. So I like, I like that reading. Um, I've always read that a little more politically rather Mm -hmm. than racially. I've never. He's more liberal, and they're more conservative. No, but um, you can literally read these people as fascists. What they're doing is they're trying to, they're trying to enforce their order their idea of order through violence that's the definition of fascism trying to obtain your political order through violent means and you know like the nazis did concentration camps and secret police and that's how fascism works you use a violent dictatorship to snap people into shape these dudes are walking through the countryside and killing everybody that's not them Mm. they're zombies but the police state is listening to you Right now. Oh, did my phone just Your beep phone on? Just beeped, yeah. <laughs> oh, I said fascist and Syria mm-hmm. was like, Oh, we have yes. a we have a dissident. <laughs> we have a dissident. <laughs> but yeah, you take you, him out. So yeah, you you can read these guys at the end who are just shooting everything that's not them. You can read that as an allegory for fascism. And there's a lot of ways that you can dissect this film as political allegory, which I think is fascinating. But the way I've I've always read it is the zombies are a mob. And that's what makes them dangerous. They all act the same way. They have no individuality. You can't Mm -hmm. reason with them because they're just a mob. And at the end of the movie, that's what we're left with. Aren't, um, Aren't zombie films super popular during a certain presidency and vampire films are very popular during the opposite presidency? Is that... I th- am I I don't know about that. I do know uh, I've heard this before and I think zombie films are popular when there's a conservative in office and vampire films are popular when I there's a liberal right. in office. So. I've heard something like that, but what I know for a fact is true is that during times of war mm-hmm. and economic hardship, horror movies do not do well. Yeah, cuz we're already depressed as fuck during uh, but during times of like economic boom or peace mm-hmm. or or when things are good horror movies see a boom 
Interesting. Yeah. So I think it's when when shit is really bad. You don't want to watch shit being really bad. You know, it's it's you're like, oh, it could get worse. It could get to this level. That's why I like just be shooting random people (laughs) walking around on the street. This. Yeah, this was a little spooky to watch right about now. We didn't even talk about. Can we talk about the radio broadcasts, man? Oh, my God. And being like, oh, they're basically saying exactly that right now. It's if you did write some down. If you took out. Do you want to read some of them? Because I I told I texted my brother and he because I told him he loves Night of the Living Dead. We we watched it as kids. We share this movie as like a childhood touchstone. But I was saying like. I'm sure I have a stupid movie that you would totally hate that would be one of my childhood touchstones. I'm not that blown away by Polly sure i'll be real shut up look i love i will watch Polly shore movies all day long especially under the proper circumstances but like when i watched son-in-law i was like i mean that was pretty funny and you're like do you want to watch it again i'm like what right now no i've never asked you to watch a movie again in i know while. but like i texted sam and i was he was like dude i bet those radio broadcasts in night of the living dead were fucking wild and i was like i, I texted him back i said if you took out the term devoured their victims it would be And ghouls. Yeah, if you took out ghouls and devoured their victims, the radio broadcasts are like word for word the CDC guidelines. It's fucking crazy. Bird and I were just like staring at each other every time the radio would come on. It's it's wild. Read some of them. Uh, Quotes. The safest course of action is to stay where you are. (laughs) Stay indoors at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's bits in this when when they're listening to the radio broadcasts. There's bits where they're like, the uh wash your hands i mean pretty much they're like maintain safe social distancing no. six feet well we were joking that when ben's running around with the with the torch he's like hey hey six oh, yeah. feet six feet just waving at the zombies it's like oh we should do that now dude all those zombies are like people coming into the the store where i work just oh, being like that shall not be named can you help me find paper i'm like back up back up <laughs> i've got my my burning stapler <laughs> but um no there's there's stuff in the radio broadcast where they're like the it's not exactly this but they're like the infected look like normal people yeah you they look exactly like they look know. exactly like normal folks the afflicted you cannot tell who's infected and you're mm-hmm. like bernard watching this and we're like <laughs> oh ooh. Okay, so let's recap. What should we do according to 1968 zombie CDC guidelines? Stay where you are. Stay indoors. Don't go outside. And if you can help it, don't interact with people because you can't tell who's infected. I'm like, oh, my God. These aren't zombies. They all got the Rona. (laughs) They do eventually tell people to go to... um like to co- go congregate at like yeah. help centers by yeah. the way and i know you haven't seen the next couple movies i want to give i want to make you try at least one more maybe oh dawn of the god. dead but uh we Does fi- somebody actually write them oh my god bird <laughs> <laughs> spoilers spoilers uh for those of you who haven't seen the rest of the movies uh yeah those those congregation points those cities where they're sending everybody I'm sure it's a terrible idea. Boy, you don't want to go there because they run out of food and medicine and they run out of ammunition pretty quick. They get overrun and then they become infection zones. But the newspaper, but because the news all shuts down, people keep flooding in and they all get turned and then it's just fucked. It's so kind of like exactly like that. Yeah, kind of like exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Seek medical attention. And now it's like if you can avoid going into a hospital don't do it we're overrun and they look just like you (laughs) you can't tell who's infected (laughs) 
um the shuffling masses yeah no kidding but uh yeah so uh the last thing i wanted to talk about really quick you and i saw this as a play with my dad that was really cool Okay, we saw it at the, I can't remember what it's the called. The Vista. The Nagani. Vista Theater in Nagani in the Upper Peninsula. In Nagani. Nagani. Eh? Oh, yeah, Bird and I was up in Nagani, and we uh, we went down, got some pasties, and then we swung on Overwatch Night of the Living Dead as a play. I never really understood too much, of, you know, like about that theater or nothing like that, but. Uh, we know. didn't go to Congress first? We probably did go I to Congress. We to Congress. I'll bet <laughs> money we went to Congress. If we were in, well, it was in Nagani, right? So we would have been, we would probably went to, did we take my grandma Linda? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It grandma was, Linda, your dad, me, you, Sam? Sam might have been there too. Yeah. I'll text him after this because he would, if he was there, he would love to know that we we're bringing it up. But that would mean we had to get grandma Linda, which means we probably ate Congress we probably went and saw Night of the Living Dead, and then... <gasps> that would have been before it burned down. No, before the roof caved in. The roof caved in, yeah. Yeah. It, it got and fixed. It got I've, I've been to it since then, and they kept... Uh, the guy who bought it mm-hmm. used to work for right. the owners. He like, and yeah. he, he was like... They were basically like, we don't really want to keep this open anymore. It's a strain, and God bless this man. <laughs> for, those of, for those of you who you are... You get a pizza. Oh, my God. <laughs> For those of you who are not from... Fuck the Rona, let's go. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> if I, if ever I was going to sell you on the idea of going up to camp to, like, like live in the woods with my brother to, to ride this out, it would not be that. It would be like, you know, Congress is still doing carry out. <laughs> That's what's going to get you up there. For those of you who are not from the UP and think you know what a good pizza is, you are wrong. Congress pizza, Ishpeming, Michigan. Ishpeming is a dead town that town is like it's in rough shape it was a mining town it's gone like that town there's nothing left but no it's a meth town it's pretty (laughs) methy um but there's two i shouldn't laugh it's not funny it's very sad (laughs) it is well i mean dude the the landmark inn there used to Otto preminger jimmy stewart stayed there when they shot anatomy of a murder like ishwaming used to be a place and now it is like two businesses wait they stayed in ishwaming they didn't stay in marquette i'm pretty sure they stayed in the landmark inn not the landmark no no not the landmark marquette? inn the uh the mather inn the one that's in ishwaming i'm pretty <laughs> sure they stayed in the mather inn because jimmy stewart and Otto preminger and all their crew used to drink in the bar that is now cognition so it, it it used to be called the tap room. Uh, it was in the tap room in the d- bottom floor of the Mather Inn. My mom and dad, that was their watering because they were high school sweethearts. Oh, my God. That was where they used to drink. Uh, so Jimmy, Isn't that where your uncle got a black eye? My uncle? Yeah. On the night of your parents' wedding? No, he got a black eye outside. <laughs> my uncle Walt. No, he got a black God. eye because he and dad were on the on uh, my mom was doing like a girls' night bachelorette party, and my dad and his bro- his brother, my uncle Walt, were doing uh, like a like a bachelor party thing, and they kind of like ended up they somehow ended up at the same house, and they were trying to keep mom and dad apart because it was like bachelorette bachelor party, you know, like don't see each other, and uh, mom has a brother 
who was, he was, you know, I have a lot of people in my family who were like raise hell types when they were young. So you know who I'm talking about. I mean, the two of them were raise hell types. So it makes perfect sense that they would get an All altercation. But like mom's, yeah, mom's, mom has a sibling who is like a raise hell tough guy who used to. And your dad has a sibling. He was a, he was a scrapper. There's a lot of scrappers in our family. And when, dude, we was like a rock and a hard place. It was two, two tough, two tough youpers met each other at the door and one of them, two youpers walk into a bar. Hey, they they didn't. They, it was <laughs> who walks out with a black eye. It all happened in a liminal <laughs> space. But yeah, there's. If you look at my parents' wedding pictures, my oh, uncle Walt's got a shiner, man, and it's it's. I love it. I absolutely love it, man. It's one of my favorite stories ever. <laughs> the tap room. Now this is another true story. Oh no. The tap room. <laughs> story time with Max Peterson. So, okay. By the way, the two businesses in Ishpeming that are worth going to. Is Congress? You got to go to Congress and get a pizza, preferably a Kudigi pizza with the works. Mm. Oh my God, you've never had a pizza like it in your fucking life. Any pizza that you've had times ten—that's a Congress pizza's like three days old. Oh my God, Congress pizza! I've, I, I used to tell people all the time, and this is true. Uh, people who used to there's a there was a millionaire who used to live in Ishpeming, and he moved, I think, to California. He was, I thought it was Texas. Texas? Okay, he moved to Texas, and he was throwing a party, and he called Congress. He's like, I'm, I got a party going was on. Was it a wedding? It might have been, been a wedding. I always, heard, I always heard it just as a party. Like, this is like mm-hmm. this one of those apocryphal, crazy, awesome stories. And he ordered, like, 200 Congress pizzas and had them flown from the airport, the K.I. Sawyer Airport, with the owner of Congress on the plane flew them to texas for this like big party that's how good congress pizza is that's true that pizza will never let you down and then two the bar that used to be the tap room is now an amazing microbrewery called cognition they make the best beer in the up i like black rocks fine i think it's great i love the Ordoc. you know like shout out to blaine shepherd like fucking Ordoc is killer there's a lot of great breweries up there but cognition's like next level so you see key when i brewing no, KBC is fine, but like you can only drink so many Widowmakers before you're like, I mean, this is just, just like a can of bread. I like KBC. KBC is fine, but it's not Cognition, man. Cognition is. I hope they're doing okay because that is a fucking hell of a bar. So, and the other cool thing about Cognition is they kept it the same as it was when it was the tap room. It's like walking into the 40s, man. Cool. It's so groovy. Um, when I went up for my grandpa, that's where me and Sam drank every night for like three weeks. But um. So here's a story from Cognition. During the shooting of Anatomy of a Murder, uh, it was Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart was there. And I'm not going to name the family member because I'm sure other members of my family would be mad. Does this involve a cow? No, but I'll tell oh. that story too if you want. <laughs> oh, no. But it's the same guy. It's the same guy that did the cow. <laughs> not didn't He didn't do the cow. He... Let me tell the cow story before I tell the other one. So one of my family members, and I'm pretty sure my I, they'll never, ever admit it, but I'm pretty sure it was my grandpa Blau was the other guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know for I don't know for a fact, but it was it was the guy I'm not mentioning. Let's call him Drac. No, I don't know. So it's it's one of my family members and maybe my grandpa uh, in Ishpeming. Al Capone used to have a bank. He owned a bank in Ishpeming, and that was like one of the places that he stashed his dirty money. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of the night one night, this family member of mine, two family members of mine, it was in the middle of winter when there's all these big snowbanks. 
they put down big plywood planks on a snowbank, like five buildings over, because it was a low building. And they walked a cow up onto the roof of that building, and then they followed it up, pulled the pulled the planks up. They had like reinforced this plank with like two, like two two, by fours two or beams or something, mm-hmm. and then they put it from roof to roof and walked the cow across the buildings onto the roof of Al Capone's bank and then they pulled the plywood back and then went back the way they came so the next morning everyone wakes up and there's a cow on the roof of Al Capone's bank a cow having a cow (laughs) he was probably pretty pissed (laughs) but like two of my family members put a cow on the roof of Al Capone's bank which is hilarious and then during the filming of Anatomy of a Murder one of my family members again same dude who (laughs) put the cow cow on Al Capone's bank uh, one of my family members punched out a member of the crew in the in the tap room and got thrown out. Yeah, oh, no. the, well, the it was all these Hollywood types were in town, and you got to remember Ishpeming. This is not 2020 Ishpeming. This is a mining town, sure, populated kind by miners. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you know the guy. Why didn't they stay in Marquette? I think they did after that. It's weird. <laughs> they they split their time. <laughs> like that's a cool movie because you're watching it and you see you can see the um. Not the Peter White. Oh, oh shit! The one that the my courthouse. Yeah, well, the courthouse is in it. Uh-huh. The, uh, where where I went to go. Oh, do the Carnegie duty. Library. The Carnegie Library is in it. Yeah. You can see the Mather Inn. The Mather Inn is used as an exterior shot, like the house just on the next block from your grandma's. Jimmy Stewart's yeah. house. You can see from Jimmy Stewart's house in Anatomy of a Murder from my grandma's front porch. Yeah. Like if you stand on the porch, you're looking at Jimmy Stewart's Anatomy of a Murder house. It's the coolest shit. I got to go in it. Really? I didn't even remember, but when I was a kid, huh. my grandma, not like a super young kid, I think I was like 15 or 16, but we went to visit, and grandma was like, do you know Anatomy of a Murder? And at the time, friends of hers were living there. Mm. So we went down to visit, and she's like, look, it's the piano room. Look, it's the room where he puts, here's where the refrigerator. The refrigerator yeah. is the refrigerator, and it's, I don't know if it's there still, Probably but not. when I was 16, that fridge was still there. Cool. The fridge, it's like full of fish. His icebox is full of fish. <laughs> So she's like, oh, yeah, I'd never seen the movie, but now, like, I, I cherish that memory. Yeah, yeah, full of fish. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, my uh, one of my family members punched out a member of the Anatomy of a Murder crew because all these Hollywood types were, like, making fun of these, mm. like, dumb minor. Oh, they were, they were kind of being shitty to the blue-collar dudes and just making Not jokes. Not very smart. Well, all the other dudes were just, like, taking it and being like, oh, okay, well, these Hollywood types are here. They're bringing their money around. But uh, my my relative stood up and walked over and he was like, he's like, you should probably shut your mouth. And they all started laughing at him. And he was just like, OK, and bah, just took him, took him right to the fucking oh, ground. Oh, my God. Yeah. So anyway, Night of the Living Dead was a pretty cool movie. I dug it. Bird didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out. And we're out. Um, You know, guys, I'm going to be honest. It's kind of late, and Bird and I are feeling a little loopy from quarantine stuff. I don't have my patron list in front of me. Um, yeah, I don't even know where that notebook I, is. My notebook is, it's the, the notebook is upstairs. And to be honest... Um, you know who you are. You do. You know who you are. I haven't been online. I don't know exactly <laughs> where the patrons all stand. Because we did make Patreon. Uh, that's something we can talk about. If you head on over to uh, www.patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M, you can get shout-outs on the show. Not, we're not doing them today, but every episode every previous to one. this, I swear to God, this is the first episode <laughs> where we forgot to do them. 
Um, but you get shout outs on the show. You get full length feature feature length bonus episodes. We do sequels. We do remakes. There's so much cool shit over on Patreon.com. And for the duration of however long this weird Venusian radiation plague thing, however long COVID-19 is going on, however long we're in quarantine, everything on Patreon is going to be free. So you can go and listen to those. Even the new stuff that's dropping or just the previous? All the the, the original idea was make it just the new stuff is free. But mm-hmm. I've been going mm-hmm. back like a couple at a time and on uh, taking down paywalls on old episodes okay. as well. So hope who knows if by, if this thing goes on long enough, everything on Patreon might end up free. I'll probably put the paywalls back up after things return to some semblance of normalcy. But I'll tell you right now, probably through July, if you guys are curious about our When Harry Met Michael series where we watch all the Harry Potter films and all of the Halloween films, you can go and listen to those episodes. You can listen to... If you want to figure out what all those weird in-jokes are about that pop up (laughs) without any All the diehards, all the lethal weapons, all of the... You you thought there was only one Exorcist film? No, no, no. There's a bunch more, and only one of them is good, but Carl and I watched them all. (laughs) Just for you, you, (laughs) listeners. Uh, Princess Bride is on there. Deadpool's on there. There's some really great shit over on Patreon.com. Season zero. Season z- well, season zero has always been free, but yeah, oh, has it? Yeah. Cool. So season zero, the first seven episodes Carl and I ever did before the show Cute. crashed. I, it's, it, dude, there's some good ones in there. There will be Blood Prisoners is in there. We did Ghostbusters oh. way before we knew how to talk about a movie like that, and it's a mess. But we had a lot of fun with it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so if you guys want to support the show, if you think we deserve a couple bucks, you can go and uh, become a patron and and donate and pledge some money to us each month. But also know that if times are tough right now, you don't have to. You can just go and be part of our community because that's what we're trying to do with this show because we love all of you guys and you're the reason that we do it. If you want to drop us a line, drop it at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Last week we asked for you to tell us about Grey Gardens and none of you have ever seen it apparently or you're all ashamed because you liked it and we ah. hate it so much. <laughs> um, but if you have strong opinions about Night of the Living Dead, sling them on in. Bird and I have literally nothing but time. So we'll read your email on the show. We'll debate. We'll talk. We'll shame Bird for You can say I'm totally like- <laughs> wrong and I'll just be like, don't care. <laughs> or you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised if I get like, you know, a couple that That's are right. Like, I felt so bad feeling it all of these years. Finally, someone me, someone speaks the truth. <laughs> well, hey man, I we just recently did a, did one of those uh, those like Facebook. What's your favorite? What's your most overrated movie? Blah oh. blah blah. And yeah. I, Whew, I was, tough I know me. you had a rough day. I was kind of spooked because I, I was like, I know what my most overrated movie is, but I feel like I will be crucified literally if I. Mm-hmm. So I, I said Black Panther. Mm, and I was mm-hmm. expecting to be immediately destroyed, but two separate people reached out and were like, "Thank you for saying that." It's mm-hmm. and it's a good movie. I'd like mm-hmm. it, but it is not as good as people say it is. Anyway, if you think maybe we should watch the, one of the movies off of those lists that we made. Oh, go through. We should read them on the air. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Uh, tune in next time as Bird and I read our way through. A list that almost gave Bird a nervous breakdown. Oh my god! It took you what two hours of like many hours of oh my, my life. God, it was shocking. I I did David. It. I thought it took me forever. I was like, man, that took like ten minutes. Right, what are you doing over there, Boo? Bird's like, she's got like sixth cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, she's growing a beard. Like it was wild how like <laughs> how much of a toll that took on you. But we'll read those on air oh next week. We have no idea what movie we're talking about, but it's Bird's. 
It is oh, birds. It's my, yeah, yes. it's your mandate next ah, week. You can pick ah, anything you want. I'm hoping it's porn. This corn, what? this quarantine's what? got me so horny. I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway, everybody, keep your masks on. <laughs> keep your keep your gloves. No, glove it and glove it and love it. I don't know. Everyone, stay stay healthy. <laughs> stay healthy. Don't get the Rona. <laughs> you know, we love y'all. Birds say goodbye. Bye.